Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Osmo.com NFL Strategy Show. It's the showdown edition, Thursday night football. And we're going to break down everything for you between this tilt with the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. I'm Dave Lockman. With me, as always, Matt Gajeski. Matt, I think this game, I, I think, let me, let me rephrase this. I believe that I think this game is tougher to break down than you do from our preliminary conversations before the show got started. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm not sure I think it's uh, it's easier to break down. Maybe it's just me being a psychopath. And when we get these kind of ambiguous situations, I get excited for GPPs and playing all these situations. So coming into the game, I don't know if I was, you know, thinking it's easy, but I was pumped for it to try to exploit some edges. I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. And uh, look, I, I think it worked on Monday night. I got real close, like real close to getting there in these single entry and three maxes. We're going to talk about them as well. We had a couple of requests. Hey, can you guys spend a little bit more time on that? Um, we're not going to do individual segments, but we'll definitely incorporate that and weave that in throughout the show because I love them as well, Matt. And uh, had J- Jacoby Meyer captain spot with uh, Rex Burkhead. I had a, I had a go, you know. Uh, who, who else do we have? Who else had the big game? Oh, Brashad Perriman. But what I didn't have is um, I, I didn't have the foresight to know that the Jets were going to go off to that extent. So I did have Patriots defense that that beat me up a little bit. Not to mention if Demir Bird ended up ended up scoring that touchdown, I had him. That would have gone a long way. But still, you have Demir Bird in the captain spot. You probably did okay. Uh, and you know we've said it so many times, and I want to open with this and 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 kind of work our way out. Um, these games are unpredictable. It doesn't matter what you expect to happen. You can pl- you can you can you can construct lineups based on the story that you're telling, and I think that's necessary. But don't only construct lineups based on one potential way that these games play out, as we saw with so many games just over the past couple of weeks, and and then finally with the Jets Patriots, where it ends up in a shootout and soars over the total. You. You just simply don't know sometimes. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think people forget sometimes we're still talking about a game played on the field. And, you know, in the Patriots game, for example, this didn't happen. But, you know, Stephon Gilmore falls down for a play. 
Rashad Perriman scores an 80-yard touchdown. Well, that's one play that completely swung the balance of the entire slate as yep. far as DFS goes. J.C. Jackson, I believe it was. Yeah, J.C. Jackson. And it, in the course of just looking at this game, you mentioned this prior to the show. We're already seeing a lot of uncertainty. The line has flipped, basically already moved two or three points in favor of Indianapolis after Tennessee opened as a favorite. So, I mean, it doesn't seem like bookmakers and the public are seeing this eye-to-eye, at least to open the week. Agreed. This pushed through a pick'em, and there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of anticipation that what would happen is the Titans, who opened at minus two and a half, would actually move to minus three. It then took a completely opposite direction here and moved through zero to Colts minus one. So moved through a pick'em. The Colts are now laying a point on the road. Kind of interesting stuff, man. I don't necessarily know what to make of it. That is not always the be-all end-all. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of smart people out there, um, like a, a former bookmaker, if you read the, the if there's a couple books out there, the logic of sports betting being a great one, where he's saying, look, sharps aren't moving these lines midweek nearly as much as people think they are. Uh, and the sharp action, you know, being able to, to use that to make decisions can be misleading. So you have a lot of different opinions on this, but there's no denying that, when a line moves from, you know, minus two and a half Tennessee to minus one Indy, uh, we definitely have to talk about it. So uh, let's dive into it. We've got one game. It's a showdown. We've had a ton of fun doing these shows, Matt. And uh, hopefully you guys have enjoyed it, too. We love having you join us every Monday and Thursday morning for these. Uh, it's become a pretty fun routine here at Osmo. Uh, and if you like it, hit that thumbs up button. But more importantly, subscribe to the channel. Uh, you guys know it's the easiest way to help support us and Look, we, we love doing free content here. We, we want to put free content out. Uh, and the only way we do it is by you guys supporting us and helping us grow as a channel. You got us north of 40,000 subscribers quite easily. We're pushing forward to 50, uh, all thanks to you. So hit that subscribe button uh, so you'll always know when these shows are going to be there on your browse feature, on the, the search. It shows up quicker uh, and, and we can keep having fun, particularly with these morning shows. Matt, the Colts. Again, laying one point on the road. They they opened as two-and-a-half-point dogs. I think we have to start with the run game, and then we'll branch out to the passing game and talk about some of these injuries. The The backfield has been really, really murky, right? It's so It's been so difficult to, to put your finger on the pulse of what's going to happen here, uh, what Frank Wright and company are going to do with the backfield, where you have Jonathan Taylor, then you have Naeem Hines, uh, and you even have Jordan Wilkins, who now is getting the, the I won't say the lion's share, but the majority share of these uh, of the carries over the last two weeks. He's seen 31 carries, 20 against Detroit, 11 against Baltimore, while Jonathan Taylor expected to come in after Marlon Mack went down and be the bell cow back has seen 11 and six respectively. So there's a big split there between him and Jordan Wilkins over the past two weeks. And we've heard Frank Reich talk about this a little bit. He hinted that Jonathan Taylor is nursing some sort of injury. I believe he said it was an ankle. And it's not one of those things where he's popping up on the injury report. He's definitely gutting it out. But it seems like it is affecting him. And we have seen Jordan Wilkins take on a larger role in recent weeks. You mentioned the count, the touch counts. He's eclipsed Jonathan Taylor each of the last two weeks. And I don't see any reason this changes moving forward. Jonathan Taylor has been incredibly inefficient, whether you think that's talent or injury-related. It's the same thing. Jordan Wilkins is playing more at this point, and he's at a cheaper price point. So when we're just talking about 
cost-adjusted plays, I think Jordan Wilkins is the superior rusher at this point. So what if we're so you just mentioned cost adjusted? So you have Jonathan Taylor at at thirteen two. Um, but actually, let me go. Let me go to utility. Let's talk about the utility prices for a minute, and we'll get into ownership. We have the ownership projections on uh, uh, for DraftKings and FanDuel at awesomeo.com. and we have the um, a very cool tool, the Showdown Top Plays tool, which gives you the percentage chance, the probability that the that a player will be uh, the number one score correlates with the captain spot, of course, or whether they will be in the top two or six, or in FanDuel's case, the top two through five. So we'll look at all of that, uh, Matt. But what do you what do you make of somebody like um, Naeem Hines, where, or I'm sorry, you have Naeem Hines at what, 6,200, Jonathan Taylor at 88, and Wilkins all the way down at 54. You mentioned that you think from a cost-adjusted perspective, he is the guy to go to here. Do you have any interest in Jonathan Taylor, um, knowing that there isn't a single player on the Colts north of ten thousand dollars, Philip Rivers maxes uh, maxes out their player pool at ninety eight hundred. But Jonathan Taylor is the most expensive running back by a wide margin, despite not really producing the numbers you'd want from a guy that you're paying top dollar for or close to it. We've seen the Colts try to feed him; it hasn't worked well, and that's I think why we're seeing them go away from him. With that said, he is still going to receive work. In the games where we still had Jordan Wilkins leading, so we're isolating the last two weeks, Jonathan Taylor still had 13 and eight touches. That's not terrible for his price point. Again, Wilkins had more. So if we're just talking cost-adjusted standpoint, Wilkins would be the superior play. But that doesn't mean they won't go back to Jonathan Taylor, and I simply don't have these answers. So when you're taking a contrarian approach, if that's in the range of outcomes, I think it could be worthwhile. Okay. I'm looking at, I'm pulling up the top plays tool right now. Let's see. So the probability that Jonathan Taylor is the top, the, the number one on the day is 2.7%. I tell you, if I told you that in week three, that, hey, in week 10, Jonathan Taylor is only going to have a sub 3% chance of being the top scorer on this slate, you wouldn't believe me for a second. But things have turned around a lot. Jordan Wilkins, as a matter of fact, has a higher uh, top top score probability than him that speaks volumes right it's it's marginal it's only 2.7 to 3.2 but there's no doubt that Jonathan Taylor right now actually projected for almost the same ownership you're just getting a huge discount on Wilkins and Jonathan Taylor hasn't shown us enough to say you know what I love that boost and uh I, I love that uh additional ceiling hasn't really been there the question is when it comes to ownership, you talk price adjusted. Let's talk ownership uh, adjusted for a moment. You've got him and and uh, Jonathan Taylor, both of whom are coming in at very very comparable ownership. Does that does that change your does that change your opinion at all? If they're coming in at the same ownership, or at least ownership that's close, and it doesn't look like either of them are going to be egregiously owned tonight. If they're close, I'll just play the better play overall, and it looks like that's Wilkins. Okay. I, I agree with you. Yeah, three percent or two point three percent difference right now in uh, utility spot ownership. Is there any interest here in in Naeem Hines, knowing that he's capable of catching footballs? And we've seen just two two games ago in Week Eight against Detroit, he had two receiving touchdowns uh, on three receptions for fifty four yards. Yeah, how wild are that dude's touchdown celebrations? By the way, but <laughs> that was amazing. Out of control. 
Anyway, it, it looks like Naheem Hines is going to come in quite a bit more own than these two, which is a little perplexing to me because his touches, while he has the two touchdowns and his touches are fairly consistent, there's not really a ceiling on them. I mean, in the last four games, the most touches he's received is eight. A lot of them do come in the form of targets, which is beneficial to DraftKings scoring. But even in negative game scripts with Indianapolis, it's not like Naheem Hines is running a majority of the running back like snaps. He comes in on certain pass down situations, but they still have thrown to Jonathan Taylor and Jordan Wilkins. Like Jonathan Taylor has at least two targets in four straight games. Jordan Wilkins, he has target counts of one and two in his two most recent games, the games where he really started at least earning a larger opportunity share. So I don't think it's just going to be Naheem Hines, even in negative game script. In the passing game, I mean, it's kind of ugly. We expect T.Y. Hilton to return to action. He's been... (laughs) He's been wildly underwhelming. Of course, you know this will be the game where he goes off just because, right? Like, I'm, I'm telling you, our boy 720, uh, Red Dog, I'm sure the last thing he wants to hear right now is us talk about T.Y. Hilton. But on a single-game showdown slate, there's simply no way to escape this. T.Y. Hilton has been wildly underwhelming again. And he has five or fewer targets in all but two games this season. That sucks. Uh, he has one, this is the craziest part, Matt. He has one game of double digit fantasy points, one all season long. And that was 12.9. He is yet to get into the end zone. He does not have a single touchdown. There's, there's nothing redeeming about what we've seen through, through nine weeks, but every week is a new chapter. Every week you turn the page and in a showdown slate, you leave no stone unturned. Because as we saw last week, Rashad Perriman can pop off for a monster game. Jacoby Myers, with that team dealing with myriad injuries, can pop off for a huge game. Really just a breakout performance from the young receiver. Anything can happen. And while T.Y. Hilton is certainly not the same guy that we remember, uh, the version of him is, is different than what it was in the past. This is one game. And it's not like they have any you know, go-to uh, ball demanding juggernaut type receivers alongside T.Y. Hilton for the Colts right now. Yeah, you're right. And as far as NFL players go, I'm certainly an ageist. I've been a known ageist. T.Y. Hilton is outside the ages of players I typically prefer to play, but we're seeing the price come down on him. I mean, he's priced the lowest I can ever really remember him price, especially on a, a slate that's a single game. And I think there's still a strong chance he runs as the wide receiver one. He's had decent, not great volume, but they have been running kind of a split outside of T.Y. Hilton. I think part of that is due to injury to Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman early in the year. But I still think there's a reasonable expectation that he will lead the team in targets tonight. So that means I want I want I want a clear answer from you, Matt. How much? Do oh, you I'm like playing T- him. What's up? Oh, I'm playing T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, so am I, and I feel I feel horrible, but it it needs to happen and. Remarkably, his ownership is at 28%, projected for 28%, 4% in the captain spot. I don't know, call me crazy, but the, it, there doesn't feel like any real lock at captain, but it appears that ownership, uh, and it appears that, that I have a very different opinion on this than what it looks like the field is going to be today, uh, namely captaining pretty much Oh, like almost all of the captain spot projected ownership is coming from the Titans side of the ball. I, I don't want to jump ahead because we still have to close this out with the Colts, but Matt, forgive me for, for assuming that 
the Titans are forgive me for noticing, but the Titans have on offense, they have really sputtered recently. And the Colts, while they are not as good as they were early in the season, still possess a pretty formidable defense. So would you consider T.Y. Hilton in the captain spot? Absolutely. I'm going to have some of that for sure tonight. I, for all the reasons you mentioned, I mean, we saw the line swing in favor of Indianapolis so far this year. So to see four of the top five captains come in as Titans is a little bit shocking to me. And I don't think it's because people dislike the Colts. I think it's more the uncertainty you've been mentioning across these positions. There's uncertainty of running back. There's uncertainty of wide receiver. So who do you play? Do you play Phillip Rivers? A lot of people think he's old and washed. So we see a lot of Titans come in with captain. But T.Y. Hilton should run as the wide receiver one. He's been inefficient. But if he has that Brashad Perriman type blow up game, you're going to be one of the few people that has him in the captain slot. Right. I feel like given given the, the ownership for these Titans players, I mean, it's pretty crazy. Henry, Tannehill, uh, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, and Ryan Tannehill all have double-digit projected captain spot ownership right now. Tannehill above 20. Uh, and then you have Phillip Rivers in there on an island for the Colts. But, yeah, I, I think if, if, if T.Y. Hilton's going to go that overlooked, I'm willing to get there. I don't trust that he's the same player he once was. That's fine. And I don't. I know for a certain that, uh, that, that Phillip Rivers – is not the same quarterback, particularly on deep passes, that he once was. It's been a struggle in that respect. But it's a one-game showdown slate, and he's still technically the number one receiver on a Colts team going up against the Tennessee Titans defense that has shown some, uh, immense weaknesses throughout the season, particularly in certain spots. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm willing to get there for sure. Now, what about the rest of the pass-catching uh, the, the crew of pass catchers here. We know that you're going to be without Jack Doyle. Uh, aside from that, however, you know, of course, um, we, we know a couple of guys have been out for a while and will remain out. But you have uh, you have Michael Pittman. You have God. The Michael Harris last week was getting opportunities. I don't anticipate that being the case this week. Same with Doris Fountain. But there are a lot of names here. Uh, how do we sort through or fill or how do we get uh, sift through all of the nonsense and find the good options in this pass uh, on the wide receiving core for the Colts? I think it will be a rotation to some degree with that. I think they've kind of tipped their hand a little bit at what they want to do. Michael Pittman returned from injury two weeks ago. Since then he saw his target snaps and routes run all rise in back-to-back weeks. He actually played more snaps, ran more routes than than Zach Pascal, who had previously been, I guess, their de facto wide receiver one, if you want to call him that. And Pittman comes in at a much cheaper price than really everyone else in this pass game. I think that's viable, at least. So Pittman, who saw seven targets last week, I mean, 39 routes run. I think it's fantastic opportunity as the wide receiver, too, at least how I would project him in this Indianapolis offense. I also found it interesting that Marcus Johnson, he outsnapped and ran more routes than Zach Pascal as well. But Pittman's cheaper than Johnson, so I think that's the way I'm going to go. Okay. Yeah, the Titans on the season are allowing you know 275 passing yards per game. There, there have been some openings there, no question, for opposing um, for opposing pass catchers. And I think this this at least appears to me, Matt. Maybe I'm wrong to be a spot that is going a little bit overlooked today. So. Um, it, it's certainly not a sure thing to play out, but all of the receivers or pass catchers for the Colts uh, have virtually no captain spot ownership. And 
given that it's a one-game slate, not a ton of overall ownership either. What else are you doing with the Colts? Any interest in Phillip Rivers? Any tight end interest here with Jack Doyle out? Trey Burton is not exactly cheap, though, so that kind of throws a wrench into the works. I am interested in Phillip Rivers. He's been semi-efficient in spots. The Colts are really one of these teams that's, I guess, sensitive to their game script. If they're trailing, they're not going to pound the run. If they're winning, they're going to pound the run incessantly. So if you take the approach that Tennessee gets up in this game, Phillip Rivers is going to see a lot of volume, then his pass catchers will as well. I like Trey Burton. His price point is kind of interesting. Indianapolis is not running as much 12 personnel this year. I kind of dug into it a little bit, and I think it's because their tight ends have all been hurt. Sometimes two of their tight ends have been hurt at the same time. Trey Burton started the year on IR. Of course, Doyle's out right now. Mo Cox has been injured and comes into this game questionable. Should it be a factor because he practiced in full? When they have more tight ends, I think they run more 12 personnel. And just with Jack Doyle out, we'll see elevated opportunity for Trey Burton. We know Phillip Rivers likes to target his tight end. So I think he's in play. Only two teams have allowed more passing touchdowns than the Titans this year, Matt. So, And they don't have a Dorian Jackson yet either. There you go. Could this be a shootout? Yeah, very well could. We've seen the Titans be explosive on offense at points. A lot of it running through A.J. Brown at the moment. But we know Derrick Henry has the same upside. If Indianapolis can keep it in that range, it certainly could be. Anything else on the uh, Colts side of the ball before we make this transition? I don't think so. Like there's no value on this team because all their healthy playmakers are back. Even like Mo Ali Cox is expensive compared to the, the role he should play. And guys, the promo code Augusta, if you haven't used it yet, you have two days to do it. Friday the 13th, November 13th is the last day you can use the promo code Augusta, A-U-G-U-S-T-A. It gets you half off every single thing on the site for an awesome plus platinum weekly pass. And a lot of people are tweeting us saying, oh, I signed up finally. I used the promo code. Well, we're happy to have you as part of the community here. And I know you're going to love it. The ownership, the player projections, uh, all of this built by Alex Baker, uh, Osimo himself. You know who he is. You've got, like I said, the top plays tool for showdown. You've got uh, the, the pro plays now for PGA and all of these other sports. It's a new tool that we have, and it's incredible. Uh, the lineup builder. There's so much I can't even think of it, but look, the number, well, here's what you need to know is these tools work and there's proven track records that these tools work and that people have had success with them. It's not going to turn you into Alex. It's not going to turn you into the number one ranked player in the world overnight, but it's going to make you a better player. There's no question about that. It's going to refine your process and being able to use ownership in conjunction with projections and the top stack tools. Uh, it gives you everything you need to be able to compete in a year in an age of DFS that certainly does not have a whole much, a whole lot of an edge left. Like you can't just go into it knowing football anymore. You know, you can't just go into it knowing your basic stats. There's more to that for sure. Uh, and that's what we're here to help you guys learn how to do uh, and, and kind of retool things or just get better from a process that's already pretty good. So if you use that promo code Augusta at checkout, Get you 50% off every single thing on the site. A-U-G-U-S-T-A. It's good through tomorrow. Uh, and by the way, that's not just for football or golf. That's for all sports. Uh, oh, and one more thing. With, with golf, by the way, you're still going to have a ton of contests. Like if you didn't get in on the, this morning's lock, there's still going to be a ton of contests up and through Sunday from showdowns to single day, all of that stuff. Uh, and we have content for whatever you need. So check that out. Use it. 
Uh, and if you have any questions, you can feel free to DM me at Lafay underscore D on Twitter, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Follow me while you're at it. And Matt at Matt underscore Gajewski. All right, Matt, uh, the Tennessee Titans. Let's kick it off with the ground game once again. While, while Derrick Henry's volume has come down a little bit, he's still averaging 20. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 20 carries over his last five games. I think it's worth pointing that out. Uh, he's not on pace for the, the first three games of the season were absurd. 20, 31, 25, and 26 carries. Unbelievable. But at the same time, he's still on pace for over 360 carries on the year. Uh, he's getting a lot of work. We have seen, uh, to, to some extent, Deontay Foreman get worked in five carries and back-to-back starts. But we know that Derrick Henry is the guy that is going to get the lion's share of work against the Colts. But the Colts have a very good defense. So what are you doing here with Derrick Henry? How much are you going to captain spot him? How much do you like him? Uh, what are your thoughts? I like Derrick Henry because of his his upside. And you mentioned the volumes come down a little bit. I think early in the year, the team just wasn't sure what they were going to do at this position. Darrington Evans has been on injured reserve essentially the entire year. They just decided to ride with practice squad players, Jeremy McNichols and Deontay Foreman and let it ride. Derek Henry's coming with some of the highest ownership on the slate and he's a volatile player. So while the, the volume is secure, he's not a pass catcher whatsoever. He has just five targets in the last four games. Now, what that means for Henry moving forward, like he's going to see his 18 to 25 touches regardless. So in the context of a single game slate, I think he's going to be strongly in play. I think there's a really good chance he ends up in the optimal lineup. I think the real question with Henry is whether you want to captain him or not. Right now, I'd say I'm leaning more towards putting him in the utility slot just as an ownership leverage position here, trying to get more of the Colts in the captain slot where they're coming in with extremely low ownership. But I'm by no means fading Derrick Henry. So who do you like most in the captain spot if we're talking about the Tennessee Titans, knowing that three of the four of them, as you pointed out, uh, actually four of the five of them, uh, four of the five top highest owned players in the captain spot are going to be Tennessee Titans or at least expected to be. I like A.J. Brown quite a bit. He's coming in with semi-decent ownership in the captain slot, but it's about half of Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. So you are gaining some leverage there. And then if you play some other leverage spots, you can still field a unique lineup. If you're looking just to like Corey Davis, I'm probably not going there. And I would rather target a guy like John U. Smith, who sees a similar role in the offense to Corey Davis. But John U. Smith is coming in with a fraction of the ownership. So I think rather than, you know, try to get in that in-between area where it's a similar role, but the ownership is higher with Davis specifically, I'll just go down to a guy like John U. Okay. Well, then let's talk about the pass catchers. I'm assuming you don't have much interest in Dante Foreman. Uh <laughs> If he get, even you know there are going to be people that ask, hey, he if, what if he gets five carries and breaks one? Yeah, I mean, I guess the, unfortunately he's not targeted at all. Although in his rookie season, before that bad injury, a man actually had a couple long receptions and surprised a lot of people. But ultimately, you just you can't when someone like Henry gets such immense volume. If Foreman 
And and by the way, it's not like Foreman's going to get goal line work unless Derrick Henry takes himself out of the game with an injury. There's just nothing there for anyone that was thinking about asking that question to get different. I think there are other ways to do that. What are we doing with the pass catchers? Yeah, A.J. Brown, he's the de facto wide receiver one, the guy you want to play if you can get the salary. You're going to run into some tough decisions with the Titans. Do you want to play Tannehill, Henry, and A.J. Brown? There's not a lot of value on the slate, so if you do, you're going to take some really thin plays. I think you'll be making decisions either or decisions between some of these guys. And I like A.J. Brown over Derrick Henry right now from that ownership game perspective. A.J. Brown has fantastic volume within the offense. He has at least seven targets in four straight games. Easily this team's wide receiver one. Behind him, though, that's where we get a little more interesting. It looks like Adam Humphreys is out again. Corey Davis is technically the wide receiver, too. But this team really increased their usage of 12 personnel. They were already the fourth highest 12 personnel team in the NFL coming into last week, 28% of their snaps. Then they bumped that up to 36%. And it's primarily John Smith. It's primarily Ferkser, Anthony Ferkser, that is. And now we have Michael Pruitt out. So I think that could even elevate snaps for Anthony Ferkser further. And he saw six targets last week. He's, I think, your cheap access point to some of the expensive plays on the slate. I was going to ask you about him, and we actually saw, I believe it was a primetime game where Anthony, you know what? No, I don't think it was. My fault. It wasn't. There was a primetime game where you and I talked about playing Anthony Ferkser, uh, and he had you know, a few receptions, almost scored, but didn't. But then the, the following week, the very next week, let me make sure I'm right about this. Yep. The very next week, he had eight for nine for 113 and a touchdown. Now, I'm assuming, was Janu Smith out for that game, or did he play that game? He either got hurt or he was out. I, there was a game where Janu Smith got hurt within the game where Ferkser had a good game. Interesting. That was So against Houston is the one where he had the big game. I'll tell you right now, uh, that was week six against Houston. Janu Smith played one, two, three, four, five, six, 39% of snaps. So there yeah, you go. Yeah. Uh, Ferkser, though, only played 55%, which wasn't that much higher than he'd seen. It's definitely higher, but uh, 49% of snaps last week. Maybe he maybe he is that spot that you can get to and just hope, Matt, that, you know, he finds the end zone. This is, the Titans are always one of those teams where everyone goes, oh, it's easy. It's either Derrick Henry or A.J. Brown. And then it's not, right? Like, how many times have we seen that this season where Adam Humphreys is out with the concussion? So that removes one L, uh, one piece of the puzzle. But Ferkser, you know, even guys like like Raymond uh, getting opportunities. There's there, there are players on this team that can score outside of the top two. Maybe it is Anthony Ferkser, and if it is at that price point in the flex spot, you're paying what twenty two hundred for him. That's going to open up quite a bit. I hear what you're saying, and I don't think it's a wild idea, especially with Michael Pruitt out. Anybody else here? Just to back up the Ferkser play, I guess. They're not running a lot of 11 personnel. So if we just look at who is running. So we know A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, and John U. Smith are the top three pass catching options. Most teams run a third wide receiver as their fourth primary pass catcher. The Titans didn't do that last week. Ferkser played on 27 snaps and ran 15 routes. So that was more than Khalif Raymond. That was more than Cam Batson. And between Khalif Raymond and Cam Batson, who split that, I guess, technical wide receiver three duties, Batson actually almost doubled Raymond in just routes run. I know Raymond played more raw snaps, but he was run blocking on, or he played on run plays on a majority of them. 
Cam Batson actually ran more routes, and he's the stone min. All right. What about um, what about Ryan Tannehill at the current time? And these ownership projections will update throughout the day. Shouldn't be a ton, though. We shouldn't get a ton of news uh, on a single-game slate. I think we have a pretty good idea of what we're going to be working with here. 70, 70% total ownership, again, using the awesome ownership tool, and uh, 20% in the captain spot. That is right now projected for slightly higher than even Derrick Henry and clearly anyone else on this slate. Yeah, it is. Now, like the captain slot for the Titans, I think, is going to be so difficult because we have the expensive Tannehill, Henry, and A.J. Brown. As far as captaining Tannehill, it's I guess when you look at the quarterback position overall, it's the same thing with Tannehill as we've seen, like on Showdown Across, these slates overall. The quarterback position tends to come with elevated ownership in the captain slot. With the way DraftKings bonus structure is laid out, PPR, 300-yard bonuses for passing, 100-yard bonuses for receiving and rushing, it's just a little more likely that one of these pass catchers, if they have a big game, they end up in the captain slot over Tannehill, which makes me like A.J. Brown a little bit more, makes me like Corey Davis is a contrarian, Jonu Smith is a contrarian play. Can you play Tannehill? I think so. You just have to be aware that he will probably come with elevated ownership compared to his actual equity in that spot. Did you say Adam Humphreys is actually is projected in now? He's projected in in our ownership projections. He's out. Oh, like, okay, okay. Just wanted to make sure of that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. I thought I thought you were saying that he's projected to play. I was like, oh, I thought he was out. Yeah. No, I'm uh, looking at our ownership projections. We have him in right now, but he is he's very much out. Gotcha. Yeah, we'll get that updated for sure. Uh, I don't think it's going to change a ton. He has zero percent captain spot ownership. 15% total ownership, one of the lowest on the slate. Uh, so maybe that rearranges a couple things, gives some of these cheaper receivers for Indy potentially more ownership, but I don't imagine it's going to do a ton. Uh, what do you think of the defenses here? The Colts have kind of lived and died on turnovers. And the one thing the Titans have done offensively is done a good job of not turning the football over. Meanwhile, on the other side, Tennessee's defense has has had some really, really awful games. You know, if you just look at, I remember pointing it out earlier in the season where it felt like every one of their games was soaring over 60 total points. Um, last week you saw only 41 points, but that's the Bears. 51 against uh, Cincinnati, 51 against Pittsburgh, 78 against Houston, 58 against Buffalo, 61 Minnesota, 66 Jacksonville. A lot of high-scoring games they've been involved in. Uh, their defense has has really struggled, especially from a, a DFS standpoint, until they faced Nick Foles and the Bears. But Philip Rivers, on the other hand of this game, has been throughout the past several years of his career a turnover machine. He's he's been picked off seven times in eight games this season, and while he hasn't done well, he's done a decent job of holding on to the football from a fumbling standpoint. Are there any are there any avenues here that we get to defenses, or is this a spot that you don't want to go to? I don't think there's anything that stands out that makes the defense a superior play to just a normal defensive play in a showdown slate. I, generally, when I'm not too enticed by either defense, I'll get some of them in crunches. If I'm running multiple lineups, I'll end up with a little bit of the defenses, and I, I see that being the case here. Tennessee's been downright dreadful. They're still without a Dory Jackson. I know they trade for Desmond King, who ends up returning a fumble for a touchdown, but that wasn't because of any play he made individually himself. And the Colts on the other side have played one of the easiest schedules in football as far as opposing offenses go. They've already faced the Jets. They faced the Bears. 
They faced the Vikings, and then they allowed 32 points to the Browns, 27 to the Bengals. Detroit put up 21 on them. Baltimore 24 last week. So they have not faced by any means a murderer's row of opposing offenses. I think Tennessee is arguably like a top three offense they've faced this year. Okay. So that at this point, that's enough for you to say I'm good. What about the kickers? Yeah, same thing as normal with kickers. When the games project to be higher scoring, I'll get less of them. This game, I think, is middling overall. So similar to the defenses, I'll end up with a little bit of kicker. I'll probably have more defense overall than kicker and certainly none in the captain's slot. All right, Matt, we're through both teams here. We're about 35 minutes in. Let's take it a couple more minutes. Let's go ahead and build a lineup on DraftKings. And let's build it with the focus in mind of a three max or single entry. But I do want to clarify, and, and you, we both talked about this. You had mentioned on yesterday's strategy show when we talked ownership and top stacks, is just because something single entry or three max doesn't mean that you have to go chalky because it's a lot more dependent on the size of the field than it is on the size of the amount of entries that you can put into this contest. Yeah. When people tell me they're three max players, I'm just like, I just roll my eyes. and like, I have no idea what that means because you could be playing a three max with a hundred people. You could be playing a three max with a hundred thousand people and it drastically changes your approach. The fact that it's three max doesn't change, you know, you're trying to be contrarian with respects to the field size, like contrarian in a three max, 100,000 person tournament. You still can't just play the, the chalk. Yeah. And I mean, just scroll through some of these contests. There are a lot of them where the field is still very big, despite it being a, a, a single entry or a three max. So again, just keep that in, uh, keep that in mind, like 23,000, 24,000 in the, in the NFL showdown, 100K huddle, 15K to first. That's still 24,000 single entries, Matt. That's quite a bit. Now, you don't have to take the same approach as the Millie Makers or the one tonight, which is a $1.5 million prize pool. But still, there is something to be said for that. I'm going to let you kick this off and start us out with the captain spot. Who are you going to here? What's our field size? 24,000. We're in the, so we're, we're, this is the $5. Uh, 100K showdown huddle, 15K to first. It was the first single entry contest I found, or three minutes. Okay, so 20K entries, you're going to see a lot. 24,000, yeah. 24,000, yeah. 24,000 entries, you're still going to see a ton of duplication, even at the captain spot, especially with the four Titans being in the top five. In a field size like this, I do like taking a contrarian approach at captain and playing someone like T.Y. Hilton. Okay. Man, people are going to be so pissed off about that. But, well, if we wanna, uh, I mean, if we're going to play like a hundred person contest, I like, give me, give me Derrick Henry. I'm listen, No, no, no. I'm with you. Okay. Look, and this is the thing when people, if you have people roll or not saying any of you guys are, you guys are great. Uh, but <laughs> to, to, to think like last week and it, like last week, the, the, the consensus opinion, if you said, eh, I don't really want a captain spot Cam Newton. A lot of people would have said, well, that's dumb. Why are you not doing that? You look back on it now, if you went Jacoby Myers, if you went Rashad Perriman, well, that's pretty great. And, and Cam ended up having a, a, a serviceable game, but that wasn't going to get you there. So, yeah, if there's chalk at the captain spot, which there's going to be today, just knowing the variance in football, knowing how easily some – T.Y. Hilton could, could have a 55-yard touchdown, right? He could have two of them. It's very unlikely, but it's one game. 
It's the Titans defense too that has really struggled. So like I like I said, they've allowed the third most touchdowns through the air in the entire league this season. I'm all right with it, Matt. Um so I'm going to go I'm going to go with Phillip Rivers then. If we have if we have T.Y. Hilton in the captain spot, uh, I have to throw Phillip Rivers in here as our first utility. I want to I want to add something about like the T.Y. Hilton in the captain slot versus Derrick Henry. I don't think one is wrong if you so we're just using Derrick Henry as your high owned captain. For example, in a large field tournament, if you play Derrick Henry, fine. You're just going to have to do different things. Like one thing with Derrick Henry a captain, maybe you're leaving a lot of salary on the table to remain unique. With T.Y. Hilton, his captain ownership is much, much lower. So uh, perhaps I don't have to leave as much salary. I can jam in more of the chalky plays, more of the better plays. And my differentiation is coming through the captain. Right, for sure. So I went Rivers. Who do you have next? We've got four spots remaining. All right, I'm doing this alongside you so I can keep track of how much salary we use. It doesn't look like we've spent too much money. So Derrick Henry, I think, adds in some nice correlation here. If you think the Tennessee Titans are up in this game, and that is what contributes to the passing approach for Phillip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton. I think he'd be an easy person to slot in here. You said Henry? Yeah. That's who I would have gone with, too. Yeah. Uh, especially because it's going to be more difficult to get Tannehill with a bunch of other you know, bunch of other pass catchers. Uh, Derrick Henry, to me, makes sense. We had a comment in, in, in chat as well from Ryan. He said, I'm not touching T.Y. for the rest of the season. He's burned me too many times, LOL. No question. He's burned all of us, but... If you if you don't want to play Hilton, at least consider you know potentially captain spot uh, captain spotting one of the receivers for the Colts. It it might look ugly and you don't feel good about it, but if one of them happens to go off, you're putting yourself in a position to really differentiate differentiate yourself. And also ask yourself seriously: some people just want to cash, right? Are you just hoping to cash and maybe you know have a nice payout? Or are you trying to win these, Matt? That's the biggest differentiator there is. If you're just trying to cash and hoping that, like, maybe you tie a thousand people for first with a semi-chalky lineup, then you're going about it entirely different than someone that says, "I want to build a lineup that could win, but that could also not be duplicated or only duplicated a couple times on a single-game slate." Yeah, for sure. That's something to really consider too. And I think if you're you're taking the approach where you just want to cash, really think about what you're playing. You know, is the Millie Maker the right tournament for you where it's really top-heavy? You're probably just getting 1.5 extra money back, or is it better off being played in maybe a, a lower dollar tournament with a better field size and a better payout structure? So, oh, you're right. Absolutely always think about those things. What are you doing? Uh, oh, no, actually, you just went, right? Derrick Henry? Yeah, I think we were in agreement on it. Yeah, we were in agreement. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, Phillip Rivers, Derrick Henry... Oof, man. Okay. So I have Rivers. I have Hilton in there. Here's what Here's what I got to do. Um, I got to go with another pass catcher from the Colts. It only makes sense. Uh, I'm likely in a spot like this going to fade the run game. I have Rivers already. I have Hilton at the captain spot. If that's the case, uh, I like the idea of getting either Zach Pascal or Pittman in here. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Zach Pascal. And, and get him in there at 6,400. We've got two left, 7,150 remaining, which means that if you wanted to plug in A.J. Brown, uh, if you wanted to plug in Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, we can make that happen. Yeah, with the last two spots, I think, you know, we already have told ourselves a story. It's that Derrick Henry has had a decent amount of rushing production. Tennessee's likely had 
Philip Rivers is throwing to T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal coming from behind, probably leading to a lot of points per reception value. And ideally, T.Y. Hilton gets a score, something to really elevate him above Pascal in our captain slot. From there, when we're rounding out the rest of our lineup, my main approach is going to be, okay, how can I remain unique with this build? With T.Y. Hilton already being that unique point we have, I think we can jam in some of the chalk. So if we want to take a guy like A.J. Brown, I think you can comfortably do so. And it leaves you at least a little bit of salary where I don't think you're completely scrambling. There are options in the 3K range like Ferkser, someone that maybe you could look to if you're rounding that out. If you're not comfortable with Ferkser, you can always take an approach like Corey Davis, which will leave you even more salary to get a potentially more comfortable play. So I'll, for this, for the purposes of this build, making it a little more balanced, let's put Corey Davis. Okay. Uh, we could go that or you could go A.J. Brown and Goskowski. That's one way to look at it. Uh, you can go Corey Davis. Let's, we can throw Corey Davis in there. Uh, and then we have $6,500 remaining. Uh, it kind of puts you in no man's land. You wanted to go down to Trey Burton, you could do that. Um, you could play Wilkins. You could play Wilkins. Yeah, but Wilkins with, with – I, I don't know if I want to go to Wilkins where I have two pass catchers and Phillip Rivers for the Colts. Yeah, I think at this point you already have your correlation baked in. Now it's like how are you – once you have your your main game stack, I think, is the the Rivers, Hilton, Pascal, and Henry correlation. Now, from here, what I'm thinking about is how am I going to be contrarian and who is just going to get the most points outside of my main stack? Yeah. Yeah. Naeem Hines isn't the craziest idea either. He fits more with our build. He does. Let's throw him in there and see what happens. Now, obviously, with this build, we're saying Ryan Tannehill doesn't have a huge game but he does enough to not be included in the top lineup, but Corey Davis or AJ Brown, because you could have gone Brown Goskowski there. And I honestly don't hate that either. Uh, that, that, and, and you expect Derek Henry to do the heavy lifting while on the other side, the Colts run game doesn't really get, get going, but two I Helton rivers and the passing game have a, have a solid game. So uh, that's just one way to do it, Matt. I think it's a pretty nice lineup. I'd have no problem running that out anywhere. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I'm seeing some people talk about Pittman in the captain. I just threw him in for the sake of let's see what happens if we put Pittman instead of, you know, putting T.Y. Hilton in there. He affords you a lot more salary, and then you can play A.J. Brown comfortably and have 6K left, which gives you, you know, I mean, you could even play T.Y. Hilton there. He's below that price threshold. You can you can still play Jordan Wilkins. You can do a lot of guys if you captain Pittman. And if you're one of the people that really thinks T.Y. Hilton's washed, I mean, this is still a contrarian approach as well. Exactly. That'll do it for us, guys. Remember, all of our shows are available in podcast form. You can check them out at any podcast platform. We're on there, whether it be uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever, any of them. We got you covered. If you aren't listening or watching on YouTube, you can listen there. If you don't want to leave the screen open on your phone, well, again, just listen in podcast form. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. Hit that thumbs up before you go and subscribe to the channel. Help us get to that 50K mark, trying to get there before the end of the year. It's a, it's, it's a tough ask. I know. Some heavy lifting to be done, but I think we can make it work. Follow Matt on Twitter, at Matt underscore Gajewski, myself, at Lafayette underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D, and Awesomeo at Awesomeo underscore com. And thanks, Jordan, for producing, as always. Stick around, 11 Eastern, coming up, the matchup show with Matt Savoca and myself. It's a marathon, but there's no place other than that to be right now to get ready for Week 10. And then at 2 Eastern, Matt and Kyle Dvorak with your FanDuel strategy show right here at awesomeo.com.
Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.